Major tech changes will hurt the for hire trucking market within the next decade. Where are the drivers going? Look no further than the warehouse. We do five good minutes with Craig and Ben from CDL Marketing on driver retention. Then LNG carriers crack open the Northern Sea route and the U.S. has bored the Jones Act long enough. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we discuss all these topics and more on this week's episode of What the Truck. JP, what's going on? Happy Fourth happy, of July! Happy Fourth of July, dude! I mean, even though it was, um, you know, a couple days ago now, right? It was fun. I'm still feeling independent, still feeling free. Um, and I'm not paying any taxes on my stamps. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, um, well, here's to here's to old glory. <laughs> um, and uh, what are you drinking? Should I, should I ask? It's kind of hidden there. So, uh, uh, in your... the I'm I'm sampling the lovely bouquet of Bell's Two Hearted. Is it really a bouquet? It's just one hop. It is when I smell it. <laughs> uh, I similarly and by contrast am drinking a promenade by local Chattanooga brewery Hutton and Smith. Ooh, a promenade. Promenade. It has to me a similar grain bill to uh, to your um, you know your kind of multi ba- balanced multi feel of of the big two hearted nice but it is a NEPA a New England IPA yes and they like to go crazy on the hops mm-hmm. does it really need four do they, hops so do they they put it at the beginning or the end of fermentation. Let's see. I think the traditional way, and I think the, the way that they probably did it is after fermentation happens, oh, so that like right after the dry hopping uh, occurs, you it's fresh, it's floral, juicy, all those things, and and then you you put it into rotation, and and it and it's juicy and floral and a true bouquet, I must say. Thank you, Kanye. Very cool. <laughs> Okay, uh, today our theme is, uh, we're, 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 we're kind focusing of all over the place. a little bit all over the place. As we round up the headlines each week, though, ladies and gentlemen, we try to bring it into focus for you somehow, so, uh, a listening point, um, a theme of sorts. And one of them is, uh, there's a lot of stuff, like, if I guess JP overall, it's sort of like, as... As tech is disrupting things, and I don't know if you heard the thunder in the background right there. I, I, I heard that. So it's that's an omen. It was of, a dark and stormy night. <laughs> uh, there's disruption in tech, and it is impacting drivers, their jobs, a little bit now, and a whole lot more in the future. Yeah, yeah. And we're also going to be talking about so we're bringing some maritime into today's podcast. We are. We have two stories about maritime. So I'm it's exciting. It. It's exciting. All right. Well, um, so our CEO Craig Fuller wrote this really cool um, article about uh, challenges to the for hire trucking market in I think three different. Areas? Yeah, he calls them, uh, you know, we're calling them um, the three A's. Triple A kind of sounds uh, cool. They uh, they all, you know, sort of affect retail in one way or another, but it is Amazon, autos, 
and ag, Aha, agriculture. Yes, yes, yes. Those are the three different areas. So it's not like an industry thing. It's not autonomous, as one might have might have you know guessed of, of one of the A's. But autos, auto, autos is related to the autonomous, right? Because the thing, so so Could Craig be. wrote this, and he's he was saying that yeah. there are these three big verticals: automotive, yes. agriculture. Um, and literally, with the agriculture, it's going to be vertical growing. So it's kind of an interesting. Yeah, and he's kind of saying that. Yeah. But, so these are these are um, you know big big uh, sources of freight for the trucking industry, and he thinks that because of some secular tech driven changes going on in those in those segments, that it poses a bit you know kind of a downside risk for trucking. Um, so one of these is the auto and what he's what craig was talking about with autos um sorry do you you have the numbers in front of you but basically yeah the idea um, is that if um by uh by by 2030 tony seba believes that 95 percent of passenger miles will be on as you pointed out a minute ago electric and autonomous vehicles and the u.s automotive fleet will shrink 80 percent yeah so that's that's the real um that's the real kicker here is that the idea is that with autonomous vehicles that can drive themselves, transportation as a that, service that, you know, you will need far fewer cars. I mean, if you yes. look at any city, uh, any downtown of a city for most of the day, everyone's cars are just kind of, you know, sitting there, not doing anything. And they could be driving people around. And the, the idea is that if they were autonomous, you could, uh, serve all of the transportation needs of a population with far fewer vehicles i personally don't think it will be an 80 percent reduction that's far too much in my view because i think you still have to have enough vehicles to take everyone that would be dramatic so you, you have to have enough to cover the surges right so the rush hour the commutes hmm. all that sort of thing like yeah like like you know like you might not be using those cars during the day. But now. this is by 2030. So we're talking about 2030, but uh, like 11 I'm, and a half years or so. Yeah, I mean, by that decade. I, I know that um, Singapore did a study to see how many fewer cars they could get away with on their roads if they were all autonomous. Wow, really? And yeah, and it was like 30% less. So 80% seems like a lot. Who knows? Yeah, but but, the, but the, the takeaway is that yeah. if the automotive industry shrinks because people are using fewer cars more, um, then that, that you know, all of those, you know, not, and we're not just talking about car carriers, car haulers, but we're talking about the yeah. whole supply chain of parts. Yeah, it's kind of know, a all, broader all of look these with, through the auto lens. Yeah, so if we're making less cars, trucks will be hauling fewer car parts. With it's, with it's, Amazon, you know, being like, you know, like um, today, uh, you know, e-commerce, you know, only represents 13% of all retail right, sales. Right, right. Um, it's, you know, it's 21% of all trucking freight. Uh, it's, con- it, it's going to continue to grow. And over that time, Amazon, I mean, the long and short of it is that as they consolidate and, you know, like as they bring things into their own network, like there's going right, to be right. less for higher opportunities. Um, it, it looks like they, they Amazon could look kind of like more like a, a FedEx, a combination of four higher line line haul carriers uh, and leased on owner operators. Right, it, right, you know, right. It could look something like that. Um, 
or you know forward airs airport to airport owner operator network with scheduled line haul owner operators between the terminals but and anyway the, the long and short of it is there's just going to be um you know a, a phase out uh, of the traditional way that we're seeing uh, the for hire market. It's going to reduce. It's, 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 is it bad news necessarily? Like, is it bad news? Like a lot of people, like, I guess it is. I mean, I like, I don't necessarily think this is an unmitigated negative because, because, you know, it it might be a reduction of opportunities for the for hire market, but it's saying that, you know, there's going to be either they're going to be a dedicated fleet or they're going to you know have independent contractors drive this stuff like it, it yeah. may not be it's, giant shippers putting as much putting as many loads out on the spot market but there will be it's it's not necessarily saying that there's going to be a net reduction in jobs for truck and drivers because of this they'll just be sort of counted differently they won't necessarily be for hire they might be working for Amazon or working for one of Amazon's partners. Right, or doing, I guess, shorter hauls with agriculture as um, things are grown. Oh, yeah. Well, more, yeah. So, the ag- near, yeah. so let's talk about the agriculture. Yeah. Um, well, so- there, there is there is literally a thing called vertical farming, but, um, you know, it's it, indoor and vertical agriculture, um, you know, will impact e- e-commerce. And, you know, there's just, it's a, it's a fascinating, um, dense article um, that, uh, Craig's written, you know, and I, I encourage people to check out all of it. Um, but basically, freight costs of you know of the final product cost they tend to be much higher um, in you know right now in agriculture, counting for as much as seventy percent of the final cost of the Whoa. product. And, wow. and so I guess the good news in a way is that you know by not having to worry about climate and geography as a as a, as a factor of where crops are produced. Um, and companies can locate anywhere um, that, you know, these ag-, ag tech startups are, you know, starting to like, you know, control everything uh, in these indoor situations, settings uh, where, you know, it, it's basically the food could be better for us and um, there's lower labor cost and if it's, you know, produced locally. Um, but the long and short of it is there, there will be less, you know, of these, long line haul opportunities yeah yeah i mean i think yeah the upside is basically that executives from kroger and walmart are saying that you know in the near future and they're actually already transitioning to this model but basically they want to grow food you know closer indoors vertically or whatever um and yeah i mean i think so yeah shorter supply chains hopefully cheaper produce um, you know, you know, as you said, it's probably uh, more nutrition, nutritionally valuable because um, as soon as you pick, a, you know, a fruit or a vegetable, it's you know, and you start shipping it, it starts losing its whatever vitamins. I don't know. Is that true? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I think there's some data in the article that that speaks to it. Uh, we should have Craig on for five good minutes coming up soon, and he can extrapolate on some of some of this very stuff. Um, right. Why don't we uh, think about like where are the uh, the drivers going? Um, and we look no further than the warehouse. Well, what's interesting? What we stumbled upon by looking at our sonar data, our warehouse employment sonar data, 
we and we just kind of looked at it. We looked at it in a number of ways, seven years over five year period, and we showed that at least over the five year period, um, trending you know back near the Great Recession time. But uh, is that you know since then you've seen warehouse employment of all things up forty six percent, while retail we we did that as a comparison. Retail's up seven percent right. in that time, right. and trucker employment is only up six percent in that time, which you know. You might think it would be up a lot more with the economy jamming like it is comparatively over that time. But and also if the trend holds in the next seven years, warehouse employment will be larger than truck transportation. Um, Wow. Yeah. Seven years in the next seven years, because currently the sectors are about one point oh two million for warehouse and one point four seven five million for trucking. So right now it's still out outnumbers warehouse um, employment. Um, And so what we're finding, this is interesting, I think, about the story and about looking at some of this stuff. You know, we're hearing a lot of stuff about uh, in warehouses, like about how everything's going autonomous and JD.com, you know, just figured out how to, you know, employ a warehouse, you know, that, you know, with with four employees and 200,000 robots or something, you know. Four employees and 200,000 shipments fulfilled every day. Thank you. Not not actual robots. Um, But (laughs) they're moving fast and efficiently. And that's kind of the thing. It's like, but but so what what they're finding with these warehouses and all the, 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 there is a warehouse um, education and research council and they, their report showed that actually technology is not taking over jobs. What, what warehouse manage, they're not anticipating even over the next decade that warehouse people, people working in, you know, employed in warehouses yeah. will be replaced by technology. They don't, like there is, now efficiencies and organization are, are being increased and they are aided, you know, by right. technology. But um, but lots of people are going to, to the warehouse it, as I guess you know the logistics and the e-commerce intensifies. Yeah, um, yeah, there are more warehouses. They're averaging um, smaller square footage. They're located closer to population centers where people live, and therefore where people right. want to work. Um, you know, I don't really know about the, the the wages for warehouse jobs, but I mean, I would I would think that you know, being home every night is better than not. Yeah, um, but I mean, there's not a direct correlation. Like like over the road, you know, drivers aren't necessarily like there. Those are the actual people going to the warehouse. But right, we do right. see disruption in, in in what we've been seeing for you know like decades. Um, and we see some uh, evolution and trends in where jobs are going. Yeah, and it, and it, and it's you know it's pretty amazing how quickly it's grown. Things are are happening fast, um, and you know the trucker uh, population is aging, and uh, you know we've we've talked you know on probably about every podcast about the the you know how it's a tough job, you know, the capacity crunch is intense, like whether or not they're getting higher wages. Um, you know, they don't like to be, you know, uh, like most people don't like to be away from home. They want to have a life. It it often takes a special breed of person that can, you know, put in those hardcore miles week after week. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, um, and I think just those, I think those stats really kind of speak to what kinds of jobs people are willing to do, um, 
you know, yeah. what, what industries are changing the most. Clearly, there, there has to be some kind of economic incentive for people to want to do warehouse jobs. Um, if they're being able to grow, add that many people year after year after year. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's really interesting. It's certainly, it's kind of surprising and it's definitely speaks to some kind of transformation in the economy. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, and this all leads us into our five good minutes interview that we had, uh, with, uh, Craig and Ben of CDL marketing. Uh, and let's, let's check this out. All right. Okay, so we are here at Transparency 18 with uh, with Craig and Ben. Craig, what's your name? Craig Jablonski. Jablonski and Ben Ani of uh, of CDL Marketing. And uh, let's uh, CDL Marketing. Yeah, so they are digital experts with a passion for trucking. Um, they represent carriers and try to change the way recruiting departments generate their applications and build their driver pipeline. Um, so they're all about you know, help, you know, sourcing the industry, solving the capacity crunch, fixing driver retention, and finding um, really top performing drivers. Some huge pain points to address. We're so excited to have you guys on the show. Thanks for being willing to go th- to run through the, the gauntlet of yeah. the five good minutes. Do you think you guys can do that? <laughs> no, we're happy to. We appreciate you having us. All right, man. Absolutely. So um, are you guys ready for our hard-hitting questions? <laughs> we're ready. Bring it on. All right. Ready or not, here we go. Okay, so what are the single, what's the single biggest challenge you guys face in the industry um, with attracting quality drivers? Is it in your control? Is it out of your control? And what, what is up to you guys to determine the carriers? Yeah, you know, and, and you know, I'm going to spin this a little bit. Um, I think it's really our customers. What challenges do they face, right? We kind of have the same challenges. And um, really, you know, today it's, it's a driver's market, right? These drivers have many, many choices, a lot more choices than they had years ago, especially new drivers, right? Um, today you've got, you know, big, big private fleets competing with the four hires and, and offering home daily routes, paying 60, 70 grand a year. You know, and these opportunities weren't available five years ago. Um, so the biggest challenge right there, more competition. Um, you know, drivers want more home time. You know, that's like the number one thing. We survey our network of drivers, yeah. and, and that's even, what they all want. more than pay. More so than pay. Pay's, wow. a, pay's a close second, but, you know, people want to be home. So, okay. yeah, that's a big thing. Just like Ben said, five years ago, we didn't have the um, Cisco Foods and Domino's Pizzas of the world. They weren't in this whole driver recruiting capacity, right? Um, they had drivers. They have very attractive jobs. Now they're struggling, too. So now they're in the market fighting for the same pool of drivers that all these big carriers um, who have been in, you know, recruiting for, for years and years and years are facing. So um, you have a smaller driver pool and now greater competition amongst carriers who are all trying to offer better pay and, um, you know, sign on bonuses and more home time and this, that, and the other thing. So, Wow, yeah. Um, well, we've heard it reported that uh, this year we've, I think TMW, Damon, Damon Langley's TMW said that we added about 19,000 new drivers uh, this very year, but unfortunately with so much churn and demand, we're still about 50,000 short. First of all, does this seem like an accurate assessment to you? And do carriers need to do a better job at creating realistic expectations and a positive company culture to keep drivers to stop so much churn? I think that's, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think it's managing the expectations, right? And and drivers, you know, 
it's interesting, right? Years ago, drivers could not jump ship as much as they do today. Um, you know, a carrier wouldn't hire you if you had, you know, five jobs in the last two years. Well, today, um, that's not really the case, right? They need drivers more than right. ever, and, and they're willing to kind of overlook that. But I think it's really about managing the expectations. Um, if a driver thinks they're going to be home a certain amount of time or get paid a certain amount of time, um, you know, they have to the carriers have to deliver on those promises, right? And, and, and most drivers, when they leave, it's gonna be in those first you know, six to eight months. Um, and it's because the job wasn't anything what they thought it would be. Um, yeah. So if you set the right expectation, um, you know, treat the driver like, uh, like I would treat a new customer, right? Um, especially those first few months is crucial, offer the right training. Um, you know, I think it helps considerably. So we're on the digital side, the technology recruitment side, and, but we try to put ourselves in the face. What if we were a carrier? Right. What would we do? And the first thing would be to keep our promises, to make sure that we manage those expectations, that the first few months are crucial, all of their interactions with our staff, um, just the operations of that driver being out on the road. I, I think that's the, the biggest uh, behavior of retention. So, okay, that, that sounds great. The last question we have is, what are the traditional ways that driver recruitment has been done in the past? And how does CDL marketing uh, differentiate itself in the sort of crowded space of driver recruiting? Yeah, that's a great question because a lot of people say, hey, I'm a driver recruiter, I do driver recruitment, right? It's a very buzz-friendly phrase, yeah. but uh, you say in the past, traditional ways, um, you have the lease labor and the placement firms and, and, that, and that's becoming, uh, that's phasing out very quickly and it has been. Um, lots of people now getting into the technology side um, and really we focus on the data offering innovative solutions um, you know, Ben, you want to touch on some of those? Yeah, I mean, some of the big things we focus on today um, are, are user experience, candidate, mobile experience. Um, that app process has to be super easy because, you know, just on our job board alone, cdljobnow.com, 90% um, of, of traffic comes through on mobile devices, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to make okay. it easy to, A, connect with our customer's opportunity, easy to apply. Um, you'd be surprised some of the barriers to entry, um, you know, just to apply to a job online. Um, it, it's crazy. Um, as Craig said, the data, uh, huge focus. Um, we've got over 600,000 drivers in our network that hold a Class A license. Wow, um, so we, huge. Yeah, We're on our way to two million, the data, 100%. The data yeah. allows wow. us to be very, very effective in, in targeting drivers online and, and you know, getting in front of drivers in a certain market. Um, you know, it's, it's been massive. And then we also, you know, have a lot of unique, innovative ways to allow our customers to, to target our uh, drivers in our network, promote their open jobs. Yeah, we have about 200 carriers uh, in our network who are on our platform, CDL Job Now, and um, really our whole, you know, slogan is battling the driver shortage and technology or uh, recruiting for the new era, right? Trying to get rid of those old ways of doing things and just focusing on the future of driver recruiting. So Awesome. Fantastic. We, you, unfortunately, Went slightly well over said. the five no, minutes. That is, five minutes are you going to give him a hard seconds. time about that? I'm not going to give him two, but, but you still get a T-shirt. It's, ah, it's all thank good. you, <laughs> thank you. Eleven seconds. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well articulated. We really appreciate big, big issues. Not easy to. We could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right, right. I get a sense that you can. And wow, that was fun. What an interview those guys, those guys know their stuff. As they said, they could talk about driver retention for days. <laughs> I, <laughs> so could we. we <laughs> yeah, and in fact, we do. No, uh, but let's uh, transition into a topic that we, you know, you might not hear as much about. 
um, these days, and especially this particular interesting one that you covered. Um, I, I, th I think this is this is kind of cool. It's got a cool YouTube video in it as well. Um, tell us about LNG carriers cracking open the northern sea route. Yeah, so LNG is liquefied natural gas. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's become a more important uh, fuel for electricity generation in the recent past because yeah. um, emission-wise, it's much cleaner than coal. And it's relatively easy to, tr to sort of... Um, it's relatively easy to convert a coal plant to a natural gas doesn't it though electricity um, plant doesn't it uh, isn't it true though that lots of methane and uh, and and like it's not to, to harvest the natural gas isn't always a clean process no is, no no is no, that no, no. not correct uh, it's okay. that is correct oh it is Th correct. that is correct yeah yeah that's what I thought that I had um you know it's like anything you know right. in the US we get a lot of our um, natural gas from fracking. As a byproduct of fracking, um, so yep. obviously that has you know environmental impacts, and you know it's bad to you know. I, just, I just was curious. It's not like some perfect solution, but it is right. right. It's a still a fossil fuel. Yeah. It's yeah. still part of the oil and gas industry. It's still you know methane. Methane itself is still you know, bad. Anyway, right. um, so so LNG has become a more important fuel fuel source, um, especially in Asia. Especially uh, you know Japan used to be the biggest importer of LNG. Um, I think it actually still is. But China has just now passed South Korea to be the second largest importer of LNG. And they're trying to uh, control their emissions, you know, clean up their air, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, and Russia has been developing this place called the Yamal Peninsula huh. in northern Russia that sticks up way above the Arctic Circle, has uh, the biggest gas fields, one of the biggest gas fields in the world, not quite as big as Qatar, but um, it sounds like a cool place to hang out. It's no, I think it's 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 extremely remote. Like <laughs> just to give you like a hint about what this place is like, it's one of the only places on Earth where, where people still herd. Uh, you know, there are still nomadic herders of reindeer. Of reindeer. Reindeer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it's, bet we have it's, it's never like, talked about reindeer in the podcast. It's, so far. it's basically Hoth. Oh, oh, yeah. Hoth, yes. Yeah, the ice planet from Empire right. Strikes Back. Right, where, yeah. where like, Luke yeah. had to cut open the, yeah. uh, right. what was it? No, Han Solo, yeah. Luke passes out, Han Solo oh, yeah. takes Han Solo his did. lightsaber, cuts open the Tauntaun. The Tauntaun, man. Um, um, <laughs> anyway, so, so the Northern Sea Route basically goes through the Arctic Ocean, which is, nor is covered in ice. And, um, these, so how to penetrate. Yeah, and so normally you have to get an ice-breaking ship to accompany you. It's basically, you know, it costs two, so it's, you have to arrange for two ships for every one ship of, you know, LNG, LNG you know what I'm saying? If they it all doesn't have, sound very efficient. They all have escorts, it's not yeah. very efficient. So most of the time, the way they get um, gas out of the Yamal Peninsula is either through a pipeline or rails, or the ships go westbound around Europe through the Suez Canal, which yeah. costs you know can cost you you know easily four hundred grand in fees, and then down around India, over to East Asia, um, but they've started going eastbound out of um, the Yamal Peninsula through the ice. They've built a new class of LNG carrying ships that are also ice breaking, Sweet. and so they can they can break up to two meters of ice and. Um, the first two ships um, full of LNG have left the port 
and are headed to China. Um, How much ice are they having to break through to like, I mean, is it like, is it hundreds of miles is, or yeah, is it yeah. just like little segments? No, it's, it's hundreds of miles. Hundreds of miles it's crazy. It's crazy. of having to break ice. Yeah. Wow. And well, that's yeah, an interesting solution. Yeah. And it shaves about, um, it shaves about half the, they do it in half the time it would normally take. So okay. ice breaking ships, as you can imagine, aren't very fast. They go about, what, like six knots, six nautical miles per hour. Well, here's another question about it. I'm sorry, I'm kind of fascinated yeah. by this for a minute. But like, if, if, uh, if once the ice is broken, does it not remain kind of broken for a while? Or does it like I think freeze it, right back up? I think it, I don't, I don't really know, but I think it's, I don't think it's an option to just have like one ice breaking ship like break through for the season and then just have everyone else go through that. <laughs> I think it kind of, it moves, right, you know, it's an ocean, right. so it moves. Um, things like that. That's fascinating. But, Another but, 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 disruption of uh, of the seas. And basically, what this is doing is it's it's a new kind of ship that is connecting the one of some of the largest gas fields in the world to the largest consumers of gas in the world. You know, in a cheaper, faster, more efficient way. That's, wow. That's the you know. The remote takeaway on the maritime seas. Yeah. Uh, fun, man. What an interesting um, story that is. Another interesting thing uh, is um, recently a report came out um, from the Cato Institute uh, that uh, explores it's, it's it's a it's a policy analysis. Right. Of a so very- the Cato Institute is this uh, libertarian think tank. Yes, yes, um, and and they wrote a compelling analysis of something that you know, whatever your point of view is. I mean, in t- overall, it's it's costing the vast majority of us a lot of money. Uh, the, jo- the the results of the Jones Act. I guess the long and short of it, um, the Jones Act uh, was uh, is an antiquated law that uh, that was passed in in uh, nineteen twenty. Uh, it's uh, known as the Jones Act. It was originally called the Merchant Marine Act, but it deals with cabotage. Have you ever heard of that word, cabotage? I've heard of it. What is? What it's is it not mean? like cabbage in any way. It's cabotage, and that means the movement of water transportation between domestic ports. So uh-huh. you just learned something new, everybody. If you didn't uh-huh. know what cabotage was, so for example, the movement of you, water transportation between domestic if, ports. See if Seattle was shipping something to Anchorage, or LA was shipping something to Honolulu, or Miami was shipping you, something to San Juan. That yes. would all be considered cabotage. <clears throat> yes, very good. You're, you're a fast learner about this. Uh, but and 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 so guess what? <clears throat> the U.S. because of this Jones Act uh, from 1920 Whoa. Uh, is uh, is one of the most restrictive cabotage laws of any other country in the world. And what is it? What is and it? And because it restricts this. It, let's say it, it requires that um, all goods transported by water between U.S. ports have to be carried by U.S. flagged ships only. The ship, but that's not where it stops. The ships must also be constructed in the U.S. and owned by U.S. citizens and crewed by U.S. citizens and U.S. permanent residents. 
Why? Who knows? Because of a few things that they were... That, well, so be, they're trying to protect the shipbuilding industry. It well, sounds like 1920. Now, this is like isolationism. Protectionism. Yes. And you know what? I mean, overall, like, it, you know, the deregulation that happened in the 1970s and 80s for the air and, you know, the trucking. That uh, never happened to the, Maritime. It never happened to Maritime. And it, and it helped, you know, all... all it helped these industries, but maritime was left untouched. Uh, McCain, John McCain, uh, has long been uh, fighting against it. Um, uh, he he basically said, um, "I have long advocated the repeal of the Jones Act, an archaic and burden, burdensome law that hinders free trade, stifles the economy, and ultimately harms consumers." Right. Um, and you know the it, it's a protectionist mentality. Um, and if you basically op- you know annulled it, you would have more free trade. You would expand economic growth, create more jobs, and lower costs for consumers. Right. But nevertheless, in spite of that, what you have is like so. The Jones Act is is a law that is overseen by sixteen congressional committees and six federal agencies. So, yeah, so what the deal is, why is it so hard to get this um, repealed? Right. It's because there are a well-organized, you know, a well-organized few who really like, who, who, who get to get like, it's a, it's a lobbyists. Right. And they're well-organized and they, they are powerful and they, they, their interests are at stake. Right. Whereas, their, their existence is at stake almost. What, right. And and whereas, like, the, those who it impacts, not only does it cross over all these agencies and there's all kinds of oversight and it's complex, but for all of us, we don't necessarily... Even know what it is. Right. Or what's happening as a result. But if you're... So we don't even know... We've, we've, heard, we've heard some from some readers in Hawaii, though, that a lot of people there kind of do know what it is. And, you know, if you're wondering why, you know... Any American yeah. product you try to buy in Hawaii is way more expensive. It's because they're being forced to use U.S. constructed, owned, and crewed ships to move it out there. Um, right. You know, I think. I think. You know, if you're, it probably doesn't affect most people that much because, for example, say you live in Atlanta and you you order something from a company in you know New York, they're not going to put it on a ship you know, a U.S. ship, ship it down to Savannah, then move it to Atlanta. They're just going to drive it on a truck. So, I mean, you know, it's it probably doesn't affect most people that much, but the government already kind of knows that it doesn't really work. It doesn't do what it's supposed to right. do, which is to build a robust U.S. ship industry. Um, d- you know, during the Hurricane Maria relief I'm glad e- you brought efforts, that up. Yeah. In, you know, when um, Puerto Rico yeah. was devastated by that horrible storm, um you know, even after that, it still took two days of debate uh, to, for for like you know before like President Trump like actually get granted. A, I think it was a ten day waiver of wow. the Jones just Act. ten days. Yes, and then they they closed it back and and then that's it. So um, wow, I thought I thought they would have like suspended it like permanently. And or not, not permanently, what, but indefinitely, you know, for until, hurricane relief yeah, efforts. I mean, no, we're talking an emergency that's situation. How strong, to me, though, yeah. that's the thing that's kind of upsetting about this 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 law that I don't see going away anytime soon. 
because, you know, first of all, it, it takes acts of God for them to even like grant like brief waivers. Right. So you know what it's going to require to really annul this, something even less likely than an act of God. What's that? An act of Congress. Oh, yeah. 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 No, it's so, it's, it's here to stay. And it's, yeah. it's just another, you know, dumb law. It's the government you know, putting their thumb on the scale of the free market and trying to tip the balance in favor of something, ignoring 90 years worth of unintended consequences. <sighs> Yeah. And yeah, here we are. And and I guess the last thing to say about it is why, you know, yes, even though there's a sense of resignation that this is probably not going anywhere, um, as John McCain said, all I can do is appeal to the patron saint of lost causes and keep pressing and pressing. And sooner or later, you have to succeed. That's right. what one would hope. Godspeed, John McCain. Yes. Um, and anyway, um, is it time for the big deal, little deal? What's Uh-oh. the deal with you, Dill Pickle? Here we go. All right. Well, ready or not, here we go. Uh, JP, here we go. Tesla finally reaches Model 3 production and CR- CFRA downgrade stock to sell. Big deal or little deal? I'd say it's a big deal. I'm proud of Tesla for what all they've been able to accomplish, but all indications uh, suggest that this level of production is not sustainable. The truck drivers in India are angry. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal. It's um, strikingly similar to the American trucking industry, dominated by brokers, fragmented, um, you know, too much patchwork of government regulations. A really interesting story by Vishnu. Could turmoil in Iran set off the Eagle Ford shale play? Big deal or little deal? It's a pretty big deal. Um, our government seems to be pretty belligerent toward Iran. Um, there seems to be a fair amount of sociopolitical turmoil. And who knows what happens to oil markets if their production drops off. USDOT announces pilot program to allow under 21 drivers with military CDL big deal or little deal. I I think the pilot program is a little deal, but to the extent that they can now collect data on these young drivers and try to prove that they aren't as unsafe as people think, it could be a big deal. Hmm, kind of hedging your bets there. July economic roundup. Tariffs take center stage. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. First, the economy is a big deal. But it's uh, consumer spending and business investment is up. And, you know, freight uh, remains strong. So check out the trends and what to watch uh, in Ibrahim's piece. Citing freight costs and declining sales, General Mills cuts 625 jobs. Big deal or little deal? It's a big deal because freight costs are getting real. And this is impacting jobs and human lives and... Yeah, it's it's they're not able to get ahead of this right now. Uida request for a small business ELD exemption gets thumbs down from the FMCSA. Big deal or little deal? Kind of say little deal. I mean, they didn't get the exemption for small carriers, which would have been most of Uida's constituency. Um, can't see how the FMCSA would have approved this. Rolling strong and enrollment first partner to prioritize drivers. Big deal or little deal? Big deal. Game of fine, healthy behavior for driver wellness doubles down with the partnership. It's all about driver retention on this podcast, baby. And I don't care that we went over two minutes, Silent Barry. I don't care, man. We're getting the news in. We're champions of life. All right. Just well, like Bush Jones said. That makes us... <laughs> That makes this batting five hundred. We're two for four. Okay. Out of the, right. out of like the eight headlines for in, in two minutes. It's good enough for a Hall of Fame career. 
And that'll do it for the big stories this week. As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast. And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves Conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Convention Center in Grapevine, Texas, this November. Visit marketwaves18.com to learn more about this event. That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What What the the truck. Truck.